thank you for tuning in to the Fires of Revival podcast. It is my prayer that you are helped by the weekly ministry conversations and expositional teachings through Key Bible Passages. Please be sure to rate and review the podcast. And now for the episode. So for today's episode, I'm super excited. As I, were, I told you guys about a few weeks ago, uh, we're going to have our Q&A episode, which has released uh, this previous week. And then today's episode is our series, Explore the Book. Now, I've had a couple people ask me, why pick that title name for this series? What do you mean by it? And really the heart behind it became or came from a college textbook that I had my freshman year uh, in Old and New Testament survey. Kevin Markham had the, has the same book, we took the same class together with Brother Macklewreath. Uh, he was an awesome teacher. I miss him. Hope he's doing well. Um, but excellent, excellent class, Old Testament survey in the fall and the New Testament survey there in the spring. And really just an, a great class. We just surveyed every book of the Bible, working away from Genesis to Revelation. But as I was saying, the college textbook, the main textbook we had for that class was called Explore the Book by Jason Low Baxter. It's an excellent book. Uh, I've used it pretty much all throughout my time at college there uh, in sermon studying, still use it today, have it on my library there uh, and go to it quite often. And that book is excellent. It's a massive book, but don't let, you know, giant books scare you. Really, it's pretty simple. It just kind of gives the survey of the book, gives you the title, the author, the theme, key verses, where we find Christ in the book, all kinds of great things that if you're just trying to get an overview, that's why the graphic I had that I put on Instagram was of a map and a plane flying over that map, surveying it. Uh, so the title of this series is Explore the Book, and we'll be going through several books of the Bible. Uh, today's recording will be First John. Uh, next recording will be Ecclesiastes, and in the next two episodes, I don't know what they'll be, but they'll be something. <laughs> now, I'm not doing this by myself. I have a co-host with me, Brother Kevin Markham. He is back. Uh, I was thinking this afternoon, Kevin, I think this is the eighth time you've been on the podcast because you preached on it once. We did an interview once. We did another interview where you talked about Montana and then the four-part series that released earlier this year. And by the way, go check those out if you haven't already. We talked about music prayer, revival, and I think evangelism. Um, excellent, excellent topics. Would love for you to go check those out. I think they'll be a blessing to you. Uh, but he's back for this. So this, at the end of this series, we'll do a four-part one here today's episode next week and the following two weeks. Kevin, you will have been on here 11 times. We might as well make you like a permanent co-host or I'll do something, give you an office. <laughs> oh, I like that. So today's episode, we're talking about First John. So we're going to go ahead and jump into that. And I love this book. Before we get into it, I'll say this. Out of all the books of the Bible, First John is my favorite one. Uh, in our youth group on Wednesday nights, that's what I've been preaching on. We started uh, beginning of June, and here we are recording this in October, and I'm still in it. This past Wednesday, I finished message 15 or 16, I believe. Uh, we just finished chapter four, so we have one chapter to go. So going uh, the snail approach at it, just a few verses here and there, but loving preaching through it with our teenagers. It's been super helpful, talking about all kinds of topics and pushing me out of my comfort zone and what I would like preaching on and I'm comfortable with, but God's good and I love it. Uh, but this book, the way this series will work, uh, will open up and give you guys some book information because, you know, all great books are great, but you need to know the information behind it, the context around it. So uh, obviously the author of First John, if you are thinking, is John. Uh, John, the beloved John, the disciple there. He also wrote First John, surprisingly, Second John, Third John, the book of John, uh, and Revelation. Five excellent, excellent books. I would recommend them to you. 
Uh, now, several scholars, I was doing some research on this, really, when they believe this book was written is all over the place. Um, conservative estimates, what most articles I read and, and study I did said anywhere between 80, 85 to 95, somewhere around that window. Um, some people even had it as late as AD 105. I don't think that's the case, but the, the point is it was written towards the end of the first century there. Uh, history to the book, uh, to give you context, this will help the book make a lot more sense to you. John is writing the third generation believers uh, because the entire book, book of the Bible, this book, as we'll talk about in a little bit, is about, uh, you know, knowing Christ, having a relationship with him. But he's writing to third generation believers. If he's writing in the 80s or 90s, keep in mind Christ, you know, died on the cross and went back to heaven in the AD 30s. So this is roughly 60 years have passed. So people are getting saved. You haven't seen Jesus before. And he is assuring them of Jesus, assuring them of Christianity, their faith, saying, hey, even though Christ died 60 years ago and you've never seen him before, he is a real person. You can place your faith in him. Any thoughts you have, Kevin, before we go on? I definitely agree with you on the date that it was written. I was looking that up and researching that information. I saw anywhere from 75 A.D. all the way up to 105 A.D. But I, I believe it was right around 85 to 90 A.D. from what from what I read and what I saw. Um I agree with everything that you said. It's a book. As I read this book, I think that the overall theme is love, knowledge. I think it's awesome what you're doing with your teen group, going verse by verse, line upon line, all the way through the Bible. I believe that's the best way to preach God's word oh, yeah. is expositorily that way. But, you know, as I was studying this, Colton, I'll share a little something with you that I found. Mm -hmm. I thought it's pretty interesting that we know John, as you said, wrote the Gospel of John. First John, Second John, Third John, and Revelation. He is actually the third most. He's the person that wrote the third most of the New Testament. Five books. Yeah. If you add it all up, it's a little over twenty-eight thousand words. Do you know who the second person is that has the most words written in the New Testament? Um, I, I've heard it's either Paul or Luke. I know they're. It's actually one Paul. Two. I always thought that where Paul he he wrote fourteen books. That's if you count. Yeah, his I always thought short, that though. Paul wrote more. But if you take Luke and Acts and combine them together. Luke actually wrote more. So Luke, yeah. Paul, and then John. John's really a few thousand words behind Paul, but he has a lot to do with the New Testament. And if you read through here, you can understand fully what the language that he uses and how he talks, his vocabulary, the content, how it relates a lot to the book of John and all of his yeah. writings kind of co correspond together, but that's just how the Word of God really is, you know? Oh, yeah. It's funny. Is this book is really simple? It is like as you're yeah. going to find out, listeners. It's it's five chapters. You could literally read a chapter and have the book finished in five days. Start it on a Monday, Friday, you're done. And that's only if you read one chapter. If you want to read two, you've got it knocked out. You know, in two and a half days, really very easy book. Uh, and as you were saying, John, obviously, or the book of John. And if you read all these books together, they they fit perfectly. Uh, usually, it's funny. Anytime I give a cross reference, and we've been preaching through First John. Anytime I, I bring up a parallel passage, or this reminds me of another verse. 90% of the verses we go to are John. If we're going to leave 1 John, it's like, all right, let's go to the book of John. Right, let's go back to 1 John. Let's go to 2 John now. And all of it fits together. And the themes are similar as we're going to find out here in just a little bit. But I love how God's word just, you know, it fits perfectly. Before we uh, move on, I want to add this with just yeah. how we're talking about the similarities between 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Revelation, and John. 1 John 1, 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. The book, Gospel of John, starts off, in the beginning was the word, the word was with yeah. God, the word was God. Both books 
the very first verse, he kind of starts off in a very similar opening remark. And I think that's pretty interesting, yeah. just kind of going off what we were talking about, how they're so similar in nature. Yeah, it really is. It's funny. When I, when I preached chapter one, we, I preached chapters uh, one, verses one through four to start the message off. Uh-huh. And we talked about how to know that Christ, you know, is real and is the yeah. savior of the world. And that was one of the things that we get from John is he said, hey, don't worry about it. I've heard him personally. I've seen him with my yeah. eyes. I've looked on him. I've handled him. The word of life. Verse two, we talked about he was manifested in the flesh. We bear witness of him. He shows us eternal life. Again, manifested unto us of the father. That which we've seen and heard declare <laughs> we unto you. It may have fellowship with us and his son, Jesus Christ. Then he finishes why I'm telling you this verse four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Yeah. And I just love, again, the parallel of John 1, 1, 1 through, or John 1, 1 through 5, and 1 John 1, 1 through 4 yeah. are almost identical in following there either in words or in the same thing they're talking about. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Now let's get into the theme and maybe a key verse to the book. We're going to talk about some more passages in the book here in just a little bit, but a key theme. So Kevin, what would you say if you had to pick maybe a word or pick, now there's lots of themes in first John, there's yeah. several in there, but if you had to pick just one, what would a theme and maybe a key verse be that you find in the book? I think overall theme would be just love. You can't read throughout this book of the Bible without realizing the love that God has for it. And a key word that I had written down for this is the word knowledge. John talks, John talks a lot about the knowledge that we could have of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ all throughout this book. Yeah, he really does. Knowledge, uh, as you said there, love. Uh, the other day we were in chapter 4, and the last like 10 verses of the book, or of chapter 4, it's like love is mentioned at least once in every verse, some verses two and three times, and yeah. just repeated over and over and over again. He mentions it several ways. He mentions you know the love that God has for us. And this is the love of God manifested that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. First um, John 2, 2 talks about how he was the propitiation for our sins. Why was he the propitiation? Because he loved us. Yeah. Uh, he follows it up there in the following verses. In that, and then <laughs> he clarifies later on, if we love God, we'll keep his commandments. Yeah. Uh, it tells us that God is love. And you're going to find the word love. I didn't look it up beforehand, so I don't know if you did or not. But I know it's this. It's mentioned a ton. I would challenge a listener to read the book. And we put a mark every time the word love is mentioned, you're going to find it's mentioned a whole lot. And I think John is trying to emphasize that point uh, very clearly that love yeah. is something that has to be in the Christian life. You know, if I don't have love that we have first Corinthians 13, right? You know, it talks about that. If I have not charity, I'm nothing. You know, if I give my body to be burned uh, as a sacrifice, as a martyr, if I give all my money to the poor, if I do all these great things and he gives like three or four examples, but if I have not charity, he says, I'm nothing. The, you know, the yeah. martyr's death that I, I gave was meant nothing. All the money I gave, I might as well have kept it because it meant the exact same thing. But there's no love in it. And we have love for Sean. That's one of the key themes. And it's something that God expects us to follow. <coughs> Is that what Anything you would else? say what your key theme or your key word would be in the book as well? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Mine's a little different. Uh, the key word I got was fellowship. Yeah, uh, specifically fellowship with God. And how do we have that? Like you said, love. Yeah. Um, and I really think a sub theme of it is assurance of salvation. If you read the book of first John, all five chapters, you're going to find uh, that God to the inspiration of the spirit there with the <laughs> author. John talks a lot about how to know you're saved. Now that's not the theme of the book, but it's a sub theme, but really yeah. fellowship with God. He talks about it a lot. You know, 
we're another day in first John chapter four. Let me look at the verse there to put this in my notes. Um, but he says here, verse 20 of chapter four, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth or love his brother also. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you get right with God? How do you have a right relationship with God? Make sure your relationship with man is correct. Yeah. How do you have a right relationship with man? If your relationship with God is correct, it'll be, it'll be correct. Those two things go hand in hand. As I have fellowship with God, my fellowship with man will be right. As I have fellowship with man properly, my fellowship with God will be right as well. That's what he says there. I like the, the ending of verse 20 that, you know, he says, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? He's saying, if you already hate the people in your life that are in front of you in the flesh, you know, how can you say you love somebody you haven't seen if you hate everybody around you that you can see, yeah. and that you can interact with? And then he goes a little bit further, the, the phrase before, that if you say you love God and hate your brother, he says, you're a liar. All right, that's some pretty strong language. Kevin. Yeah. You're a liar. You can say you love God and hate your brother, and, and you hate, but you're a liar. You don't love God because if you loved God, you'd get your relationship with the brother right. And if you did love God, you'd work on those things. So really, I, to me, I would say love and fellowship are the two biggest things in this book. What would you say is a key verse, Kevin? And talk well, about that for a little bit. Going off of what I said, I thought the theme was and the key word, the theme being love and the key word that I found through here, just that I noticed time after time again being knowledge. I think First John 5, 13 is a perfect example of what this book is about. First John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, I think that's what John is truly writing to these people about here, that they may know for sure they have eternal life through Jesus Christ, their Savior. You know, there's many people around the world that don't know for sure that they're saved. You know, I've, I talked to some people today that weren't for sure that they knew that they were going to heaven. But the Bible says here, these things have I written unto you. John talks about the love of God, that we can know that we that God loves us and we should fellowship with God, that we may know that we have eternal life. Yeah, you're exactly right. And one of the things I love about this with fellowship, love with God, and as you said, the key verse there, you know, knowing that we have eternal life. One of the things I love is the nickname of John. He's known as the beloved disciple, the disciple yeah. as he calls himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right. Yeah. He was in the top three. You have Peter, James and John. Really, I'd say if you were to pick one as the top disciple who spent the most time with him, it'd be John. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that the one who spent the most time with Jesus is the one talking to us, you know, about how to have fellowship, how to be close to God. And I think if any of the disciples knew how to be close to, to God, literally they're in the flesh with Christ, it was John. And I love that that's what he's here telling us about is, hey, this is how you have fellowship with God. This is how you have a relationship with God, as you said that you may have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the son of God. Yeah. And really it's just an awesome, awesome book. I love it. Um, but really to me, a key verse that I found, there's several, I, I was yeah. talking between like two or three verses, but one that stuck out to me is back in chapter one. Yeah. Uh, let's look at verse nine. Kevin, do you mind reading verse nine for us? I will actually have that written down as a second key verse for this book. <laughs> First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, and again, that is the key to having the right love of Christ that we should have. The key to having the right fellowship that we should have is it comes 
as this verse says, is we confess our sins. I love it. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's always going to. Um, he's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? But it goes back yep. to the beginning, if. That's the key. You yeah. know, if I don't confess my sins, I'm not going to get forgiven. If I'm not yeah. forgiven, then I'm not going to have the fellowship that yeah. I need to have with God. And I'm not going to have the love for others and the love for God that I should have. And it all goes back to confession, you know, just admitting, hey, God, I'm wrong. I messed up today. I screwed up. Can you please just forgive me and help me to do better next time, right? That's what it is. Fellowship with God. It comes from 1 John 1, 9. And I love the verse before it and after it, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So he's saying, the verse before this and verse after, oh, by the way, you're a sinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, you are going to mess up. By the way, you're not perfect. If you say you're perfect, you just lie. Yeah. Um, and I, I love in the middle of that, oh, by the way, yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you messed up. Yes, you're going to mess up and you're going to fail, but God will forgive you. God yeah. loves you. God's there to care for you. Um, and if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to for, uh, forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I love that he's faithful. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. not just a, I'll forgive you sometimes, I might do it, but he is faithful in that. He's going to do it, and he's been doing it for thousands of years, and he's going to do it until Christ returns to take us back to heaven and be with him. And he's going to be forgiving us, you know, always. I don't have to worry about my grace expiring. That's yeah. an encouraging thought to me. It really is. And uh, just this idea of getting fellowship with God, and it comes uh, by confessing our sins. Uh, but as I was saying, you know, this book is about follow, you know, following the Lord, having fellowship with him. Uh, this book kind of reminds me, uh, I was thinking of this this afternoon studying, of an interstate mile marker, right? Yeah. You're driving the interstate and you see a mile <laughs> marker and it tells you, you know, 100 miles, the next one 101, 102. And then you see the signs that say, you know, you're headed, you know, down I-95 south to Miami where I would be at. Or you're heading to, you know, I whatever it is. And, and you have those signs as a marker to say, hey, look, as long as I stay on this path. I'm going to end up at this destination. If I follow this road, I'm going to end up, you know, in Miami. Or if I follow this interstate, I'm going to end up in, you know, whatever city it is. And First John to me really reminds me of that. This book, I, I read it, go to it often. And as I, you know, follow First John 1, 9, uh, the other verses that have been mentioned and get those things right, I'm going to find that God's going to guide me in the right path. If I follow yeah. the direction that his word gives us in this book, God's going to give me the direction I need to go to in life, traveling in that right direction. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree that God will give us direction when we ask for it. We have to be, and he'll be faithful to us if we're faithful to him. And we'd ought to be faithful confessing our sins because uh, he's faithful to us to forgive us our sins, as verse number nine says there. And yeah. Yeah, I, I love that point you brought up. God's always faithful to forgive us, but we have to be faithful in the act of confession, right? We have to... That's the only thing we have to be faithful at in this verse is saying, Lord, I messed up Yeah, because we're going to mess up. You know, I'm never going to be perfect. I mean, hoping, you know, sanctification takes its course that I, you know, improve in that. And I'm a better Christian now than I was five years ago, but I'm yeah. still going to mess up. I'm still going to yeah. sin and I need God's word there to help me. Uh, moving on. The last thing this will, I think we'll spend a lot of our time at is just looking at some key verses that stick out to each of us and really just talking about the passages breaking them down, sharing challenges, how they apply to each of us. So Kevin, I'll let you go first, pick out a passage there, uh, a verse or several verses and just read it to us. And then we'll talk about it. I think that was a perfect time to transition because this verse 
pretty much goes perfectly, I believe, with what you just said and then what I added to it. You know, talk about God was faithful to us. God's faithful to forgive us, so we ought to be mm-hmm. faithful to Him. And whenever I read through here, I couldn't get First John four nineteen out of my head for ever since I read it. It's just a small verse, simple verse that says, "We love Him because He first loved us." Like I said, we ought to be faithful to God because He's been faithful to us. We ought to love God because He loved us, and I believe that's the reason we do what we do. Because God loved us so much, we know John three sixteen that God sent His only begotten Son, that we could for us for each and other, each and every single one of us that we could have eternal life. God was faithful to us first, and God loved us first, so we owe it to Him to be faithful to Him. We owe it to Him to love Him and to do what He has for us. Yeah, you are exactly right there. I think you hit the nail on the head uh, in that verse. That's also I think that was one of the other verses I was torn on in picking this book as a key verse. Because yeah. again, the reason I love God is because he loves me and he loved me first. Yeah. You know, before I was born, he loved me. Yeah. Before I was ever born, Christ had already died on the cross to pay my sin debt. And he did that. Why? Because he loved me. Uh, in the verses around that chapter, um, he says there, verse 14, the gospel in a nutshell. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Yeah. Uh, and whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Well, why did God do this? Because he loved us. Yeah. You know, God didn't have to die on the cross. Or Christ didn't have to die on the cross for me. He could have easily backed out of it. God yeah. could have said, you know what? Man messed up. They're sinners. They're <laughs> going to sin even after I saved them. So what's the point? Let me just throw yeah. them in hell, start from scratch. But he didn't. He loved us. And that's what I love because in the book, uh, the, a few verses before that, he mentioned specifically to us in verse 16 in the middle of it that God is love. Yeah. And then he tells us there in the verse that you read that. God loved us first. Yeah. And if we want to be better at loving others, which is one of the key parts of the book, it comes from realizing God loved us, letting that love take over our hearts. And as that does so, we're able to better love others. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about that verse before we go on? To uh, it makes me think of uh, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us mm-hmm. and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, even when we were at our worst, Christ still loved us. Yeah. No matter what we did, no matter what we have ever done, Christ still loved us and Christ still gave himself for us. And I think, as I said, I think that's just the root of everything that we do is because of that verse. We love him because he first loved us. Yeah. And the verse I want to share is back in chapter two. So if you want to go there, we'll look at verses 15 through 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty well-known passage. I would yeah. say one of the more well-known <laughs> parts of first John outside of probably maybe chapter one, verse nine and a few other spots. But the Bible says this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And it's true. He gives there, he tells us the command of verse 15 is love not the world. As Christians, we should not love the world. We should not be like the world. We're called yeah. to be separate, to be li- different. Why? Because Christ is different. Christ isn't like the world. And if we're <laughs> going to be Christ-like, that means we must not be like the world. Yeah. But then he tells us there in verse 16, for all that is in the world, he gives us the three temptations of Satan, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And then he tells us it's not of the Father, but is of the world. Uh-huh. And then he reminds us in 17 that the world passes away. Yeah. He's saying in verse 16, these are the traps the world will give you, but don't fall for it. Why? Because the world passes away. And then he, I love the encouragement in verse 17, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 
Yeah. You know, when I live for the, the fleshly pleasures and the temptations that the world throws at me and Satan throws at me, that's not going to mean anything. Yeah. When I stand before God in heaven one day, he's not going to pat me on the back and say, good job, Colton. You fell for Satan's temptations. You fell for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Congrats. Like, let me give you. No, he's going to be ashamed of those things. Yeah. But the things that I did for the will of God, the things that I did to follow God, it says there again, he that do with the will of God abideth forever. So when I live for God, instead of living for the world, God's going to bless me for that. And we're going to have yeah. rewards in heaven. Now, granted, I know we don't live for rewards. But it is going to be a nice thing in heaven looking at the things that I've earned and the things that I've done. And I can look back and say, you know what? This was when I lived for eternity, lived for God. Yeah. Instead of living for the silly little temptations that the world throws at us. The Again, it gives that verse 16. <coughs> the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And I'm, I'm not going to get into the details of all three of these. But really, any and all temptation Satan throws at us falls under one of these categories. Yeah. You could, if you study out scripture, you'll find that all three of these categories, any sin we fall for is one of those three or more of them. Yeah. And it, it's very simple. God tells us in his word right here, by the way, Satan's going to tempt you these three ways to brace yourself. Yeah. Any thoughts you have? Well, whenever you started reading verse number 15, my mind went straight over to uh, chapter three and verse 13. Marvel not my brethren, if the world hates you, you know, we can't love yeah. the world and hate and the world hate us or if, you know what I mean? Yeah, the Bible says, "Love not the world." When we not when we don't love the world, the world's going to hate us. It's not going to be easy. I have it right here in my Bible: love God and God alone. You know, we're not supposed to love the things of the world. We're not to supposed to look to the things of the world for our hope, because our only hope is in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. Uh, I'd actually had some of these verses written down earlier in the book info with. Uh, how we talked about similarities between John and first John and stuff. And I had a few, yeah. one of these verses marked down for a comparison here in Genesis chapter number three, you kind of hinted at it a little bit. Genesis three, six says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wit one wise, she took to the fruit and did eat and gave also to her husband with her. And he did eat. And right there in verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the very first time that Satan deceived anybody, the very first sin, Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, what happened? And when Eve saw that the tree was good, the lust of the eyes, uh, and that it was pleasant, or that it was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, right there is the pride of life. Yeah, You know, right there, John is warning them about Satan's tactics from the since the beginning of time. The very first time in the Garden of Eden, all the way up to here, all the way up till now. I've been, I've preached a message on uh, King David, and I talked about how David has only three enemies in his whole life, and they all fall under that category. The world, the flesh, and the devil, and that's what they use. They use the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But the world passes away, as it says in verse number 17. You know, everything that we see around us one day is going to pass away. The world hates us if we love God, but it's okay. But it's right, right there at the verse in, at the end of verse 17. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That, that's our encouragement that we have. Yeah. He that doeth the will of God will last forever. And then that, you can kind of relate that to chapter 4 and verse number 19. We love him because he first loved us. We doeth the will of God 
to abide, not just to abide forever, but because God first loved us. It's, most of this whole book, as we talked about earlier, it's all intertwined together with each other. Yeah, it really is. And I love what you brought up there. I was thinking Genesis 3. It wasn't in my notes. Yeah. But I'm glad you had that because I was thinking it, but I couldn't remember exactly which one it was. And yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. But again, it shows us something simple there. Satan hasn't changed his tactics for no. thousands of years. He's used the same three baits, the same three temptations. He just, you know, decorates it a little differently or changes the context of it because <laughs> of the generation that we're in. But again, Satan's temptations are simple. Uh, they're straightforward there. We have it recorded for us in First John. But that's convicting in my heart because I think, how come I'm not preparing for those temptations properly? Yeah. God's already told me it's one of these three things every time you get tempted. So you might as well prepare it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to face an enemy and you know the enemy is going to attack <laughs> you one of three ways, you're going to be ready for that. You know, if you say, if you know yeah. that already, they're going to attack me here, here, or here. I'm going to take the time and prepare for that. Yet how many times do we forget that? Yeah. How many times have I thought, you know what? I know Satan's going to tempt me with one of these three ways, but I don't prepare. Yeah. I'm not ready for that. And then Satan's temptation comes and I fall prey to it. Yeah. And I wonder, it, it hurts, but it's because I'm, I was negligent and that I was not following God the way I should. We'll move on here. I'll share a quick verse. I won't take long, as long for this one. And then I'll let you close out with one more if you have it. And then we'll go on. Uh, the final verse that I have for me is first John chapter five, uh, verse number 21. Uh, it's the last verse of the book. So the final verse to close it all out. And it's a simple reminder, really. I think this is, you could even argue as well, the theme of the book. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And it just gives us that simple reminder. The, the verses before is love God, follow after him. But <laughs> how do we do that? Keeping ourselves from idols. I heard somebody say one time that an idol is anything that hurts, anything that separates you from your relationship with God. Anything that gets in the way, you know, something like basketball can become an idol. If you let it take the place of God in your life, your yeah. cell phone or social media can become an idol when you let it take the place. And instead of using it as a tool, you use it as the main thing, as a God in your life. And the Bible simply reminds us, stay away from idols, yeah. keep yourself from them. And as you do that, your relationship with God will grow. Any thoughts on that, Kevin? I, I think this will go perfectly leading into next week's episode, yep. wherever you said, as we cover the book of Ecclesiastes. But it's just a small, simple warning right there at the end of the, in the, at the end of this book. You know, love God, love God. God's faithful to us. We're faithful to him. And he just reminds ourselves to keep ourselves away from idols, keep ourselves away from the sin of the world. And I, I totally agree with everything that you said there. That It's just a good warning to end this book with. It is. And, and keeping of that closing, I'll ask you this, Kevin. I'll let you close out the episode answering this question. Why should somebody read this book? What, what, so what's the big deal of First John? Why, why should somebody take these five chapters and make it their goal to read it? I, I just, I think we hit the nail on the head that we can, that there's just so much truth and so much knowledge. I mean, you can take any book of the Bible and say that this is a book that you have to read. I mean, I believe everybody should read the Bible through fully. And oh, yes. Time after time, because there's so much you can you can read this book through 20 times and still not get everything out of it. But if you just read through this, you're reminded how much God loves us, that we can know for sure that God loves us. And I, that, that's what really stands out to me in this book, as we talked about the theme earlier, being love. I can't read through this book without being reminded how much God loves me how much yeah. God cares for me, even whenever I fall, even whenever I stumble, that God ah. loves me and God cares for me. He's always going to be there. So that's why I personally love to read through the book of First John. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Kevin. 
Uh, on that note, we're going to close this episode out in a word of prayer. So I'm going to ask you to close us out and that'll end today's episode and listeners look forward to seeing you next week and hearing from you as we pick it up with Ecclesiastes. Yes, sir. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had to gather around your word, Father. We pray, Lord, that we encourage somebody through this episode, dear God, that we, people around, everybody that listens, dear God, that remember that you love them, Father. No matter what we do, no matter how many times we stumble, Father, you're faithful to us, and we ought to be faithful to you, Lord. We thank you for everything. In your name I pray. Amen. (coughs) Amen.